Brooklyn's Radio believes your health matters. So I'm delighted to have on the line with me today, Rebecca. Rebecca is 27 years old and is here to talk to us because it is uh, Cervical Cancer Screening Awareness Week. Good day, Rebecca. Hello. Uh, it's really, really good of you to come on the line and talk to us today. A very brave thing to do. And we are very, very um, grateful that you're doing this for us. So you are 27 years old. Tell us a little bit about you. Um, so I'm 27. Uh, I'll be 28 next month. Um, and I own a gardening business. Ah, exciting. Oh, how lovely. So that's, that's a nice business to have. Yes. Okay, so when you were 25 years old, you got your first invitation for a, um, a cervical smear test. What happened when you received that? Um, I, was, I was very silly and I actually put it in the bin. Okay, and why did you do that? Um, well, I was in the first year um, at school to receive HPV vaccine um, and I thought I was safe. Okay, so the information that's given out to girls when they're given that vaccine is that it protects you from cervical cancer. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what most of us think, isn't it? That, that yeah. um, most vaccines, you know, you have a polio vaccine as a baby and no one has polio anymore. Um, then there's the uh, MMR, you know, we, we all... I mean, a lot of people these days don't want it because that has bad publicity. But we all, if we have the MMR, believe that we won't get mumps, um, German measles or measles. So you had the HPV vaccine when you were at school. And this is at, what, is this at sort of, is it age 14? Uh, I can't quite remember how old I was. I think it was, it was definitely the first year that they did them. Yeah. Um, I can't even remember when it was. Hmm. I think it's, it's something like 14. And I do believe that they're now offering them to boys as well, because, of course, they it are. is the males that spread cervical cancer. And I'm not sure if that's all cases of cervical cancer. Um, so don't quote me on that. But I know that they are responsible for spreading it. Um, OK, so you ignored this and you threw it in the bin. And yeah. did you get any more invitations? I think I had a couple more um, and I went to the doctors once about something completely different um, and, and the doctor said, oh, you haven't had it. Um, can we get you booked in? And again, I said, no, nope, I don't need it. I've had my jabs um, and, and that I was adamant I didn't want it. OK, OK. And then, of course, this year at um, 27 years old, what happened? Um, I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. Wow. So did you start getting some um, symptoms? How, how did you actually get diagnosed? What happened that made you be tested? Um, I had absolutely no symptoms at all. Wow. And that is what is really scary. Mm -hmm. um, so I was talking to some friends um, and they said, oh, you haven't been. And they, uh, I basically got told off. Um, and it had been nag nagging at the back of my head for a little while that, you know, it happens and I watched Coronation Street and there was a character on there who died of cervical cancer. Wow. Um, and, you know, it was in the back of my head that, oh, you know, it's, it's something that's there. It's free. OK, it's a, it's a bit awkward, um, but it could save your life. And I thought, yeah. well, 
would I rather five minutes of embarrassment or do I want to die if I had it? So, um, yeah, that's what made me eventually pluck up the courage to go and do it. Wow. Okay. And so you went and had the test and the results came back. Did they call you into the surgery? No. So I just got a letter saying um, that I have abnormal um, cells uh, and I needed urgent an, uh, an urgent colposcopy appointment. Right. So 10 days later, I went for a colposcopy. Uh, and um, the lady who did it, she said, in my opinion, this isn't cervical cancer. Um, it is a large area that these abnormal cells are covering. So she said, um, we'll send you in for a LEX procedure under a general anaesthetic. Okay. So I had the LEX in February. And that actually came back that I had um, stage one cervical cancer. Wow. Okay. And so, of course, during all of this, we had the outbreak of COVID, which had its own challenges. So, but once they sort of diagnosed it, what happened next? So I was diagnosed two days after um, lockdown came in place. Um, And... um, I, I, I rung up and said, because I, I wasn't told at first, I just had a, a letter saying, please come in to see us. Yeah. And I rung up and I said, I don't really feel comfortable coming into a hospital at the moment. Um, and and we agreed and we I had a chat over the phone. Um, and that was when I was diagnosed. Um, the next day I had an MRI scan. Uh, so I did have to go into hospital. Yeah. A couple of days later, I had a um, PET CT scan. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I was, I went into Guildford Hospital and I met um, Kavita. Mm-hmm. That is where uh, they started putting in place measures for my operation. And I had to be tested before I could go into hospital to have my operation. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So thankfully, once you plucked up that courage to have the smear test, it all went quite smoothly and the tests and that all were all carried out reasonably quickly. Unbelievably um, quickly. Yeah, yeah. And thank goodness it was stage one. And isn't it funny that it's almost like divine intervention, isn't it? That your friends started pushing you to go and have that test. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do owe my life to them. Yeah. Um, so I'm very grateful to my friends. Yeah, yeah. So all your um, treatment has finished now? Yes. Brilliant, brilliant. But you did have those challenges of going through this while COVID was actually happening. Yes. What's it like in the hospitals now? Are there, I know I spoke to Gavitha a few weeks ago um, because there was another awareness day and she was saying how many people are not coming forward at the moment because they don't want that challenge of going into a hospital. Um, are things, did you notice things were very, very quiet in the hospitals? It was quiet. Um, and the, the hygiene and the sanitizing and everyone was wearing all the, all the proper PPE. Um, I actually sort of felt probably safer in there than I did going to the shops. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. So many people have caught it from just going to the shops. Um, okay. And, and how are you feeling now? Um, I feel, I feel great. 
um, I feel like I've got my life back and, and I can carry on as I was. Brilliant, brilliant. That's really good. So, Rebecca, if you were talking to people out there today, much in the way that your friends spoke to you, what would your advice be to them when maybe they're 25 and they're getting their first invitation to a smear or maybe they're older like me and they get that invitation and they think, oh, I'm safe. I've been married for years and, um, you know, it's very uncomfortable after the menopause. What, what, what advice would you give to people? Um, well, what was said to me was um, five minutes of embarrassment and uncomfortable uh, is not going to kill you, but cancer will. Um, and I just think I was silly. I was ignorant. I thought I was untouchable and I thought nothing would get me. Uh, and how wrong was I? I mean, I've been in a relationship with my partner for eight years um and you know we just you don't know what's out there you just no. it's just scary it's so scary and i i can't tell you how much it, like during during covid and and everything it was so stressful and yeah. for 5 minutes to be told yeah you're fine it's just a quick mot uh if i'd have gone at 25 maybe they would have found the cells then that would have been removed there and then and it would I wouldn't have ever had to have gone through anything else so it's just so worth so important just to go yeah yeah oh well Rebecca thank you so much for talking to us today it's very brave of you we're very very grateful there are lots of ladies who will hear this and um maybe they've put their invitation to a smear test in the bin so you know, it will remind them of the importance of going and seeing their doctor. And as you say, five minutes of embarrassment and being uncomfortable is, is nothing compared to risking your life. Absolutely. Thank you so much for chatting to us today. No, thank you. Thank you. That was Rebecca, who was talking to us today as part of our series for cervical cancer screening awareness. So I'm delighted to have with me today Dr. Alex Stewart. Good afternoon, Doctor. Good afternoon. Really lovely to have you here. So this is another one of our interviews in the series for cancer, sorry, Cervical Cancer Screening Awareness Week. Um, and Dr. Alex treats women who have cervical cancer. So a really, really important job. And we're so grateful that you've taken time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about this, because it's obviously a really, really important key topic that we get out there so that women understand what might happen if, if they should suddenly be diagnosed. So perhaps we can start off with you explaining to us what a smear test is. So a smear test is uh, usually done at your GP surgery and you'll receive a letter inviting you to come for a smear test. Um, and it's very important to take up that letter uh, and that offer when it comes. Um, the test is performed with um, a little tube that's placed inside you into the vagina. And then um, a small brush is placed onto the cervix and takes a, a um, a selection of the cells from the cervix which are placed into a little pot and then the tube is removed from you. It takes about five minutes. It's a little bit uncomfortable but it's not painful um, and the team at the GP surgery will be extremely supportive and helpful to you when you have it done. Okay that's fantastic. Um, it, you know we've established how important this is. Is it 100% effective? 
unfortunately no test uh, that we do is ever 100% effective but they are extremely effective so they will pick up about 97% of cases of wow. cancer that's amazing isn't it that is amazing and um you you start because it used to be quite it's something like 30 before you had your first smear test but i know that's been brought forward so what what's the sort of age range for women to be invited to go for a smear test so you could get the letter any time within the six months before your 25th birthday um, and the screening goes on from 25 to 64 Wow, it's quite a long time, isn't it? But it's obviously, you know, something that, that people should be aware of and should be prepared to do because there's a large percentage of women who don't take up the screening. That's right. So the percentage of women who don't take up the screening has actually risen slightly uh, within the last decade. Um, so it is now that uh, 72% of women are taking uh, up the the screening which um, has dropped by four percent since 2011 which is a shame yeah that is a shame especially as you know that it detects 97 percent of cervical cancers it's yeah and not only does it detect the cancers but it also detects the precancers and if we can treat the precancers at an early stage then they never turn into cancers and that's exactly what we want to to do to be able to treat the ladies before they develop a cancer and then they'll never have a cancer and then they'll never need to come and see me at the hospital. Yeah. 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 No, that is the ideal scenario, isn't it? Because I think I read somewhere that smear tests prevent 75% of cervical cancer cases. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so those, that, that sort of small percentage that isn't detected will be because it's occurred between smear tests. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and, and all those who, who go for that test, it's going to prevent 75% of cases because, as you say, they're going to get those precancerous conditions, which are so treatable, so easily treatable, and are going to prevent them from going on to develop the full-blown thing. Um, Alex, tell us about the treatment. So the treatment is either surgery for an early cancer or they could come to, to my part of the hospital and receive chemotherapy and radiotherapy for a slightly more advanced cancer. Uh, both of these can have effects on fertility, which is obviously why we like to try and pick it up before it's a cancer. Um, some of the surgical approaches can treat people and still maintain their fertility. And other approaches that we use will affect whether a lady can have uh, a child herself. But we do have some approaches where we can um, maintain people's ovaries so that we can look at having um, surrogate pregnancies uh, later so that they can have their own biological child. Um, but uh, radiotherapy and chemotherapy together are extremely effective and have a very high cure rate. So Although um, we might need more advanced treatment for these ladies with the more advanced cancers, um, we can still cure a lot of them, the majority Brilliant. of them. Brilliant. That's really good news. And I believe that you recently had your <laughs> very welcome letter arriving. And That's right. So my letter arrived in sort of February when everything was rather different than it is now. Uh, and I made my appointment for the 26th of March. And uh, I'm always very busy and it's difficult to, to get time to fit in appointments. And I think this is the 
typical of any uh, working woman, working mother, just the time to, to sort of do that. But it's something that I know is very important to do. So I, I scheduled it in carefully. And then I was worried that the appointment that I'd carefully scheduled would be canceled because of COVID and the COVID crisis. My GP surgery at Fairlands were absolutely fantastic. So they were obviously being hit with COVID that week. Um, it was just as we were going into lockdown. Um, so the of the two nurses, one nurse was off unexpectedly that day, either isolating or, or with it. Uh, and they brought me in and they kept me very informed by text messages saying, make sure you keep coming along. They still did the screening and the results were actually back within a couple of weeks. Wow. Um, and fortunately, uh, there was no evidence of the HPV, which is the, the virus um, that's associated with abnormal smears. Um, and so I had a, a clear smear and I can now wait a few years before I need to, to go through that again. Which is brilliant. And it's great that the doctor's surgeries are still carrying out these because that's I know talking to another doctor at the Royal Surrey, she was saying that in the early um, days of lockdown, it was so quiet there because clearly women weren't going forward to see their GPs um, when they had any symptoms. And, it, and it's quite key that, um, that they do need to continue going despite what's happening at the moment. Absolutely. I think one of the really important things is that the GPs are still open um, for a number of face-to-face -face appointments. So although um, within the hospital and within the GP surgeries, we've moved a lot to um, telephone consultations, important things like smear tests where you can only be seen face-to-face -face are being carried out. Um, and therefore, it's important not just to put the letter in a drawer and say, oh, I expect with COVID that's not being done because you'll find that your GP surgery is there. And actually, you might even get me be seen a little bit more quickly um, because of the majority of the consultations taking place by telephone people who are there and uh, in person are often seen a little bit more quickly one thing that we've been worried about is ladies with symptoms so um, as you said the majority of cancers are, are able to be picked up and often prevented with the, the smear test but we still do get ladies who present with symptoms. Either they've missed their smears uh, and then have, have developed a cervix cancer or the cancer has developed in a very, very small number of cases in between um, smear tests or before smear tests occur. For those ladies, really, really important to go to the GPs. So if they have uh, bleeding after sex or bleeding in between periods, um, a pain, deep pain during sex as well. Those all might be indications. There might be perfectly normal explanations for them, yeah. um, but they are triggers to go to the GPs and, or telephone the GP and uh, arrange a consultation and uh, then uh, probably an onward referral. And you might not even be examined at the GPs. You might not be examined until you get into the hospital. Depends what the symptoms are. And that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Okay. And it's probably worth just mentioning here that, uh, and again, I've read this online, but there are so many reasons that women put off going. Embarrassment about the shape of their bodies. Um, time is a huge factor, especially for, for working mothers. Um, 
thinking that it'll be difficult to get an appointment. There are so, so many reasons that women put these off, but we can't emphasize enough, especially during this week, but, but at any time, how important these tests are for women to have. Absolutely. They really, really are important. And the rate of cervix cancer in the UK has dropped significantly since we introduced the uh, cervix cancer screening. One other reason people might think that they don't need to go for their screening is because they've had the HPV vaccine. Now that will drop uh, cervix cancer massively. So that is brilliant that we have the HPV screening. Um, But it is still important for people who may not have made full immunity uh, to the the HPV virus or for people who didn't fall into that group just to still go and have the screening even though you've had the HPV vaccine. Yeah, yeah, because we've interviewed one lady on this in this series and she had actually had the HPV vaccine but she then went on to develop cervical cancer. Yeah, there are a small number of strains of HPV that aren't covered by the vaccine. So that's one reason why it's very important. So again, the HPV vaccine is going to drop uh, the rate of cervix cancer even further. And it, that's going to cover the majority of the strains of the, uh, of the, of the cancer, uh, of the cancer-causing virus. Um, but uh, there are still a small number of strains out there that, that could infect you. So it's still important to go for that screening. Yeah. And all women are different sizes and shapes, just like we're different sizes and shapes on the outside. Yeah. Uh, we're all different sizes and shapes down below. It's nothing to be worried about or embarrassed about. The nurses who perform the smears or the GPs that perform the smears have seen everybody and it's absolutely fine. Nothing to be worried about. Nothing to be worried about if you haven't waxed or shaved or if you have waxed or shaved. Everybody does different things. Nobody's going to judge you when you go for a smear. Um, The most important thing is that you're there. Really good advice, really good advice. And I think it's brilliant that there is such a success rate because of the HPV vaccine, because of the screening. It's brilliant that there are so many fewer cases of cervical cancer. And, you know, by raising awareness, hopefully we're going to help to reduce that even more. Yeah, I hope by the time I come up to retirement, it's a rare, rare cancer. It's already quite rare. Um, but I'm hoping that it gets rarer and rarer as the years go on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for talking to us today, Doctor. Uh, we're really, really grateful, as I say, for you giving up some of your precious time. No problem. Uh, that was Dr. Alex Stewart from the Royal Surrey as part of this series of Cervical Cancer Screening Awareness Week. So I'm delighted to have with me today um, Emma Davis. Good afternoon, Emma. Hi, how are you? Yes, I'm good, thank you. It's really, really good to have you here today. And I'm just, you know, very, very grateful that you've come to talk to us today because it is Cervical Cancer Screening Awareness Week. That's quite a mouthful to get out. And it's really, really important that we let people know that everyone has a different journey with this. And it's it's lovely that we've had so many brave women who've been prepared to talk to us. So, Emma, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, I'm I'm married with a little girl. Um, I'm a teacher, so I teach um, little ones, preschool, uh, nursery ones. So, um, very fortunate to to 
be working with them. Um, and uh, I ran my own nursery for just over 17 years. Um, so, um, yeah, so we, I, my, you know, I've got my, obviously my little girl, which keeps me busy. And um, I now just work in a preschool locally to where I live. Um, and uh, I'm 42 years old. And, uh, yeah. I live in uh, I, I, I live in uh, Middlesex. Oh, um, okay, okay, fantastic. Now, um, you had your. How old is your daughter? My daughter's seven years old. She's seven. Okay, so you had your daughter, and then after having your daughter, you had a routine smear test. Yes, that's right. Tell us yes. what happened with that. So, I, my husband and I got married within six weeks. I very fortunately fell pregnant um and uh, throughout my pregnancy had a great pregnancy and um had her uh, in april and uh, within about three to four weeks i started feeling like my stomach felt very heavy and um after speaking to a friend she had said to me that doesn't sound right maybe speak to your doctor and through my pregnancy somebody had said about having a smear test and i was always very prompt when i went for my smear test when they wrote to me, I'd go. Anyway, I went for this smear test and um, as a normal smear test and left there. And within a few days, I got a phone call to say that it didn't look right. So they wanted me to go in and to be examined further. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was um, admitted to St. Peter's Hospital where they did uh, a very thorough routine examination and had to obviously remove certain parts um, just to kind of test those and take those away Um, we my husband and I had that feeling that something wasn't right Um, and you know you know in yourself um, at that time my daughter was only three months old so I was uh, unbeknown to me I had postnatal depression so I was struggling anyway with with that um, but carried on through as as women do because we're tough and we keep going. Mm. Um, but then on the fourth of September that year, two thousand thirteen, I got diagnosed with cervical cancer, um, which was the most horrendous time I, I've I've ever experienced, um, and very scary um, because when they found it, unfortunately. Um, as our daughter is an absolute blessing and the, means the world to us. But through the pregnancy, this occurred. And if it, you know, if I hadn't gone for that smear test, my consultant um, said that sadly, when they would have done the next smear test, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made it. Wow. I wouldn't be. Here. Um, so they removed ninety percent of my cervix, mm. uh, and because we were hoping and praying that we would be able to have another child uh we asked you know through simon butler manuel and kavita they uh incredible people from the royal Surrey. they're my consultants who have i've been now with them seven years who are absolute support um but they said that you know within two years i needed to have a hysterectomy being um, a woman and being so determined that I wanted another baby, um, we kept trying, but my body could not, it, it just couldn't do it. Mm. We had a, a couple of scares in between and last October was kind of where it, it hit home for me as, as a woman where they, I, I went to see Kavita and 
to their amazing care that she said to me that, you know, I said, I'm having problems and they thought that the cancer was back. And, you know, um, if I, if I hadn't had that smear test in the first place, um, if I hadn't gone and for the, what I, what, really came across to friends of mine was when I went for it and I would go for it regularly I was never one to miss one Mm -hmm. but for those two minutes of pain that two minutes instead you can have months and months and years of them having to obviously you know examine you and I've had that for years now and I was somebody who went regularly Um, and I actually I was running a, a nursery at the time and out of 60 of my clients, 30 of them admitted that they don't go. And two people, sadly, were do- diagnosed. And we very sadly lost a friend of ours. Um, but I, they saved my life. Yeah. So the, the, the message I want to get out to, to other women is please, please, please go. It, yeah. it, 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 there were worse things that could happen. Them, you know um having a baby is a lot more painful <laughs> yes <laughs> I know it's funny how we're all frightened of a smear test and yet you know we push basically a bowling ball out of our bodies and and it, <laughs> yeah we do that and yet we're frightened of a smear test and it is a little bit uncomfortable and it it is a little bit undignified but everybody does it it's done by professionals who are used to doing that and yeah. um, I know um, with, for a previous interview, I had the figures in front of me of the percentage of women that don't go for their smear test. And it is incredibly high. And you're right, it's so silly not to do it. Um, I myself have been, you know, um, guilty of putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Um, mm. And I said in a, an interview I did earlier today, it gets more and more uncomfortable when you're post-menopause. Uh, which I am. And so it does get more and more uncomfortable. But again, it's really important that you do it. And it's a couple of minutes. It's, you know, exactly. it's, it's, it's absolutely fine. So you had to go and have a hysterectomy during the whole lockdown thing. Yes, I did. I did. Um, I was supposed to have it at the beginning of April. And it obviously, because of the COVID, they obviously had to cancel it. And then um, about to uh, about three weeks later I got a phone call from my consultant and they said we we'd like you to come in and we've got a slot for you to have it done the following week um I mean the care and I cannot fault what the Royal Surrey especially because I've been under their care have have done for me um they they couldn't do much more for their patients um and to go to the hospitals you are so safe you walk in they you know they I asked whether I needed to wear a mask and gloves and they said no unless you particularly want to but all the nurses and doctors and anybody presently working there are wearing gloves and masks your hands are sanitized your your temperature's taken they're not taking any chances and there's there's no risk going in there is no risk and you know they are being very very thorough and I've been out of hospital now for a month and I'm absolutely fine. I've had my hysterectomy. I was cared for so well by them. Um, so, you know, if people are worried about going to, into the hospitals, don't be, because you are safe and they are making sure they're covering all, you know, all the procedures to, to keep their patients safe. 
Yeah. And I know when I was talking to Dr. Kavitha, she was saying that she's doing um, consultations by video link, which is great. So if you need a blood test, which is one of the, I guess, early stages in in trying to determine whether someone has a problem or not, um, you literally do a drive through. It's like a drive through coffee. Um, You drive through and have your blood taken. I think that's fantastic. And yeah. I do hope that they can keep these sorts of things going because it's going to make the NHS um, more viable, really. It's going to save them a lot of money. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, I mean, I've obviously, obviously I've had lots of um, scars and I've got lots of scars and they've had to do the video link. And through that, we've been able to have a chat because they're so busy. Yeah. It, you know, I'm fine. I've been monitored by my own doctor anyway. Um but through that, we were able to communicate and, you know, she'll communicate at any time with me, nine o'clock at night, whatever the time is. Yeah. But that's a really good way to, to feel safe and that if you don't want to go in, you, you can talk to them that way. So um, so not to be afraid to, to do these things. Yeah, yeah. No, I do hear some amazing stories about Dr. Kavitha. She's, um, mm-hmm. she's, and, and the care at the Royal Surrey. I mean, it, it's quite amazing, really, the thing, the stories that I hear. So a big shout out to to all of them at the Royal Surrey for the care and the, and the attention that they give to all of their patients. That's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Emma, thank you so much for talking to us today. That was really, really brilliant of you. And I'm sure that's going to help so many women to sit up and listen. And um, yes. I'll start nagging some of my um, friends as well to make sure that they go and have their test. Absolutely. Well, I hope everybody does get out there and and do it. So thank you. Thank you. No, that's brilliant. That was um, Emma Davis talking to us today about her journey as part of the series during Cervical Screening Awareness Week. Brooklyn's Radio believes your health matters.